0: Welcome to another episode of It Takes a Village, a podcast of Healing Hands International based out of Nashville, Tennessee. My name is Taryn Foster and I'm joined by my co-host Mark Gent. Hey Mark. Hello Taryn. So tell us a little bit about our guest that we have coming on today.
1: Yeah we're excited. We have Lori Boyd uh, joining us today. Uh, She lives here in Middle Tennessee with her family and as you're going to hear Lori just has had a very exciting and interesting life from being a military kid to she's a mother and a wife and She's been a nurse (laughs) and a school teacher and she's an author and a speaker and like the list just seems to go on and on and on.
0: She's a renaissance woman.
1: Yes. So we're excited about that. So stay tuned. Uh, We just encourage you to lean in. Hopefully you'll learn something or be encouraged by something that she has to say uh, over these next few minutes.
0: Yeah. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Lori Boyd. Lori welcome to the podcast thank you we're so happy that you're here that you drove all the way out here to come talk to us yes i'm super excited to be with you guys this morning yeah well let's jump right into it
2: so tell us where you're from tell us about your family where you live now okay all right well my um my background or actually my childhood was um really spent in the air force growing up in the air force my dad um, was an active um, duty member. And so I was born in Germany. My older sister and I were both born there. and I didn't live there very long. i was I was less than a year when we moved back to the states. And we came back here and moved all across this country. I have lived literally from east Coast to west Coast and spent about, Two to three years at each place, at each assignment. So by the time I started college, which was in Abilene, Texas, I went to Abilene Christian University, that was my ninth place to live, and I was 17. Wow. And so moved quite a bit growing up. It was a wonderful experience. I have two sisters, an older sister and a younger sister, and we talk a lot about what great memories we have of that experience of moving and, and seeing different places and meeting And, um, and that's what brought me to Middle Tennessee. And it was not long after getting here that I met my husband at church or my husband to be, I met the man (laughs) that I was going to marry. I called my parents the night I met him and said, this is the one. And, um, yeah, he and I started dating. Uh, His name is Sam and we got married the next year. And so I have lived in Middle Tennessee ever since. Wow. So that's my, and I live in Murfreesboro now. That's where we have lived for about the past 20 years.
1: And I right. never moved. But for you, that was your story. That's right. And that's who you were and that's where you went. That must have been right. really um, interesting and kind of always on your toes. You never know where yes. you're going next.
2: That's right. That's right. We have, my sisters and I have decided that it was something that made us very adaptable. I mean, you had to very quickly learn how to. You know how to meet people, how to find ways to get involved, and it had everything to do with kind of the type of people that we became, the type of personalities that we have. Um, and there were those times where you know you think, how neat would that be to to live in the same place and to know the same people? And but you know, I wouldn't trade anything for the for the people that we've met along the road and and the places we've been, the things we've been able to see, and those experiences were just. Just amazing. Just really, really love the fact that we got to have that kind of a, of a childhood.
1: So. Yeah. Now, I'm just curious. You were born in Germany. Right. So do you have German citizenship?
2: I don't. That's a common question that yeah. I'm asked. <laughs> so my dad was stationed at Swybrook Air Force Base. Okay. And since we were military mm-hmm. people, um, we were just considered American citizens. Okay. You so no dual citizenship. You can't go I back can't. and get it now. Right. Oh. Okay. Right. Got it. Yeah.
1: Got it. Yeah. Well, wow. hey, so you wear a lot of hats professionally over your career, and uh, as Taryn and I were preparing for the podcast and just getting to know you, like so interesting. So, I mean, tell us what you do for a living. You've you've already mentioned you've been a nurse, you're a school teacher, uh, you're a blogger, author, speaker. Like, just tell yes. us um, how you've gone down all those paths, and then what you're doing now.
2: Okay. All right. Well, I'll I'll start by saying I. I am first and foremost a wife and mother. I, Sam and I have been um, married for 23 years, almost 24 um, in May, and uh, we have three children. I have a, a daughter who is in her second year at Harding, and I have a daughter who is in her senior year of high school and is going to Freed in the fall, and then I have a son who is a freshman in high school. So number one job, wife and mom for sure, um, but I went to school in Abilene for nursing. I, I started out as an English major and so that's kind of interesting because my my love for writing and reading has kind of always been there. That's really why I chose that field, but then migrated into nursing. I have a lot of medical um, people in my family and just thought that might be a, a An area where I'd have maybe some more job opportunities with more flexibility, you know, kind of as I was interested in in maybe eventually getting married and having a family. and Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that took me into nursing. So ended up at Vanderbilt in cardiac intensive care and was a nurse or was active in nursing for 22 years and did all kinds of things. Once we started having a family, I cut way back on my hours and I just did kind of an as-needed nursing position and, and did lots of different things with that, but mostly was a mom, and then um, that's what I always wanted. And anyway, over that time, I started, you know, continuing to just pursue my love of writing, and that came out in blogging, you know, blogging was kind of getting to be a thing, you know, mm-hmm. a bigger thing. and. So I was doing a little bit of that. Started writing for magazines, articles for magazines. I got a job as a freelance writer for Tennessee Home and Farm. I had a regular column with Think Magazine through Focus Press, and I just did that for just my own enjoyment, for you know, for ministry, for um, just my love of of writing and sharing things through through that that means. Then, as my children were getting older and starting into kind of their middle school years we were deciding what to do and where they were going to go to school and god opened doors for us to to have them placed at the private school at the middle tennessee christian school in murfreesboro Uh, for them to be there i was going to have to work a little bit more a little Mm -hmm. bit more as a nurse Mm -hmm. and but i was very very um I don't know, protective of my time with my kids and didn't want to have to work somewhere where I wasn't going to see them on weekends or nights or summers, and so I started looking into education and started looking into what I might be able to find in the area of health science as an educator. So there, God opened doors at the Christian School and I was able to find a job there and teaching in health sciences, teaching anatomy and forensics and health science. And I have taught a little English and creative writing there as well, and Bible, but my focus really is health science there. So anyway, that's kind of how you know I started in the nursing, led into the education, the writing ended up. Um, I started writing curriculum, and that's really where my books started to kind of come from. I was writing curriculum for the high school girls Bible class at church, just writing my own Bible studies. And and then I was getting people asking, hey, can I use that study? And I was so happy to share, but my stuff was like a mess of notes and outlines and <laughs> everything. And so I was really trying to get that organized to where I could really share it. And um, had a friend of mine who was um, working as an editor for a Christian publishing company. And she said, you really need to you really need to look into having these studies put into manuscript form, where they can really be shared in a lot broader way. Mm-hmm. And so that, um, that started that process and I started putting some of my studies into manuscript form, but it's a long process. The book process, book writing is, is a lot there. And so I've got this whole file of tons of studies that I'm ready to, to put into book form, but it takes you know the, the writing and the editing and the designing, is a long process, so
1: mm-hmm. I've
2: got years of books ready to <laughs> ready to go. No, I just you've need got the time them the to shoot. do it. I so do. You've ri- yeah, I do. you've
1: written four books.
2: I have. I've written four. Right,
1: and uh, people can find those online. Uh, yes, we will. We'll talk about those. But that that's awesome. So, like, yep. you already have your next four books already ready to go. They're ready. They're, they're ready. just They're I sitting just, in a file at home, and that's it. You know, you probably <laughs> I, I, I at least don't know that I've ever met um, a a nurse who likes to write and teach forensics but also (laughs) likes to speak in front of a few hundred people
2: right right yeah that's awesome yeah that's awesome i enjoyed i love all of it i love i love everything that that i have been so blessed to to be a part of all the different career opportunities they just have they've all been a blessing in their own way and and i just feel i just feel very very fortunate for the things that, that I truly believe God has put in my path and and led me to to be able to to help people and and just to, I don't know, be a part of people's lives in, in different ways. You know, nursing was a very specific way. Teaching is a very specific way, and writing as well. But all of it, you know, I'm given this great opportunity to touch people in hopefully a way that will influence them, you know, for good, and and that will show them Christ in 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 whatever way that that is.
1: Yep. And we don't have you. You didn't give your full resume because you're also a podcaster. I, I am. <laughs> and Taryn and I were just talking. You're the first podcaster we've had on our podcast. Yes, yes. So tell us about season and Sean. Okay, um, so
2: well, I started um, a pod. I, I had ladies asking me for for podcast material. They you know were looking for something they could listen to. a Very convenient way for them to feel like they could. Um, you know, get into some some Bible study, and so I started. Season and Shine is a podcast that I started, and and really it was about being the salt and the light in the world. That's where, you know, season and shine came from. Mm -hmm. And um, so the first season was really about what that means. What does it mean to be the salt? What does it mean to be the light? How do you shine when you don't feel like shining? (laughs) When you have those days that you just don't feel very bright and you don't feel like going out and and seasoning anything. So that's the first season was about that. And the second season was more of an inward focus um, in order to go out and be, the best light and the best salt that you can be you have to take care of you on the inside you have to you have to be strong on the inside and and see your own light and see your own ability to go out and influence people in a good way and so second season was more about how do we take care of of ourselves so that we can go out and season and shine
1: that's great. That's awesome. So you've got several books already coming up that will be released over the next few years, and you probably already have ideas for new seasons of podcasts. Yes,
2: yes. Always. That's yep.
1: great. So outside of wow, all the many things that you have your hand uh, hands in and that you're involved in, what we like to ask our guests or what are your interests, your hobbies, your passions. I can already already hear what your passions are. But <laughs> if Lori has yes. a free Saturday and no kid activities and the kids are out of the house, what does Lori enjoy doing? What's your yes. interest and in hobbies?
2: Well, you said the kids are out of the house. My first thing would be always. I love doing things with my family. Love that. So. If the kids are not around and Sam's got them doing something somewhere and I've got a free afternoon, I I love to read. I'm a big reader and I love to write. I really do enjoy the writing. Also in the process of going back to school, I'm getting my master's degree and so Probably as if I had you don't a, have enough to do. Right. Well, yeah. Just thought, you know, there might as well throw something yeah. else in there. Um, I am pursuing a degree in a Master of Arts in Christian Scripture with an emphasis in Greek, and so um, I would maybe spend some time doing some light, <laughs> some light reading for for my <laughs> master's classes. Those are things that I love. I I love to go places. I love to travel. That's probably something that was kind of ingrained in me as I was growing up. I love. Um, to do different things, go different places. We've done um, a lot of mission work through Latin American missions, and that has been something that has been very meaningful to our family. We love going places together. Our family loves to make memories um, in that way. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a great opportunity last summer to go, my daughters and I, to go to Israel. And we we spent several weeks in, it was about two weeks in Israel, and that was amazing. And I wanna so, go there so bad. Uh, I'm it, so jealous. It, it it was, I would go back and just as, I mean, whenever I have the opportunity and I'd love for Sam and Briggs to go, you know, the girls and I went and I would love for them to go. And it just, man, it just brings, it just brings the Bible to life. I mean, it just seeing those places and walking in those places where you can say, Jesus was here, you know, I mean, he, he was here and, and it just, man, very emotional, very moving. Mm-hmm. Um, just an unforgettable, unforgettable trip.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So you
0: are going to be a keynote speaker at our Women of Hope weekend this year, March 25th and 26th in Murfreesboro. So could you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the Women of Hope ministry?
2: Sure. My path has crossed with Healing Hands International in several different ways and really interesting over the years. I have been very fortunate to, to know and to... Live actually very close by to Bobby Solly, and she has done a lot of work um, with the teaching ministry that um, that is um, offered through Healing Hands International down in Haiti. She was actually she teaches sometime or she was teaching at Middle Tennessee Christian School. My daughter had her as a teacher. Um, that was an exposure that I had. I had several congregations that have done the Walk for Water, and my um, my family and I have really loved. And made it uh, something that was important to us to be able to contribute in different ways to some of the different programs that are offered through Healing Hands International. So, we we like to do something as a family every year um, where we give back. You know, kind of a big. It's like one of our big Christmas traditions is that we uh, it's we we have an envelope that we hide in the tree, and and we the kids and I and and Sam we've all talked about kind of what we want to to really maybe contribute to and and it's always a big deal at the end of Christmas opening presents that the envelope gets brought out and where did we decide to 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 contribute and what was our big you know um offering or or way to help some some charity of some kind and anyway so that's that's something that my kids have chosen every year is they really liked the um different programs for the the helping the women you know buying different things that that some of the women have produced, um, buying the garden kits or, I mean, just the wells, the, the water. We've just done several different things. And we really, really love the way that Healing Hands uses that to, mm-hmm. to really go directly into helping people.
0: Yeah.
2: And so that's been important. And then um, the Women of Hope. I was um, approached to speak and I've had um, a family member of mine speak in the past and, and a friend of mine speak in the past and so I, I was very honored to, to have been asked to come and speak this year and I'm just really really looking forward to it. Well we're honored to have you. We're excited. Yes
0: thank you. Um, could you tell us a little
2: bit about what you're going to be speaking on there? Yes so the theme this year is One Hope yes. and I am so excited about our theme. This is um, this is very closely tied. I, I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Hope Island and um it is a book about just without getting way into it but essentially if if you are if you are a Christian if you are living in Christ and you know that you have hope you know that you have this this confident expectation of of lo- this life to come you know eternal life and and all of that what all of that means and how all of that is wrapped up in Christ and in his love for us and his gracious way that he came down and and lived and died and then rose again for us to have this, this hope of eternal life. What does that mean? What does that mean in the way that we live? Like, if you're a person of hope, what does that look like? You know, if you are living for something that you know is coming and that you know is better and that you're anticipating, how does that affect your everyday life? I mean, shouldn't you look different from somebody who doesn't have that hope. And so that's what the book's about. What does that look like? What does it look like to be someone who truly has hope? That's going to carry over a little bit into what I'm going to be talking about at the conference. Um, Defining hope, really, is, is where we'll start. But then looking at, okay, so if that is, if we understand what it is, How do we hold on to it? How do we, you know, what about when it's hard? What about the hard days? What about when things are really discouraging? Mm -hmm. How do you keep that hope just at the forefront of your mind to where it makes a difference in how you deal with these things that that are coming at you every day, these things that are hard? So what does it really look like? What does it really look like to be a woman of hope? Yeah,
0: and that's a really big topic, I feel like, oh, in, yes. in culture. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have that knowledge, how are you going to use that? That's right. And what are you going to do? Right. So I think that's really good. Yes. Um, so also, if you're listening and want to join us at the conference, go to hhi.org womenofhope and registration is still live. And event is Friday night and all day Saturday. Just a little shameless plug there.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, Lori, we've talked about your passion and desire to write. And I mentioned earlier that you've written four books. And you gave us some insight into um, just kind of your background in that. But w- what has God taught you through your writing?
2: Well, that's a, that's a great question. You know, you always hear people say that when you study, or when you engage in any kind of learning to share with someone, you always benefit. You know, you always grow from it, probably even more than the people with whom you're sharing. I mean, you know, when you delve into something and, and, and have the full expectation of getting up and teaching it, you have to do a lot of, of inward looking, you have to do a lot of personal learning. And I think that's something that has come from everything I've written, Everything I'm written, just it, it automatically comes back on me. All right, you're writing this. You're sharing this. Mm-hmm. You're teaching this. Are you living it? Are you doing it? So I think in that way, all of those things, anything that I write, the books that I've written, always come back, always come back to me and look me head on and say, okay, you've provided this. What have you learned from it? And are you living it? So I think, I think that's it. I think just the fact that with everything that I take on, with everything that I try to do in ministry, it just turns around and comes right back at me.
1: Yeah, and yeah. as you look back over uh, the books you've written, do you have a favorite?
2: I do have a favorite, and it's meaningful because of, of how it was written, really. My Walking to the Promised Land book, is a book that's based on the walking verses in the Bible. So you read verses like, walk in the spirit, walk in love, walk uprightly, walk with wise men, walk in faith. All these different verses are talking about living. It's daily living. That's what walking is in the Bible. It's how you live every day. And so what does that look like? To live every day by faith. What does it look like to live every day in the light? What does that even mean? So I really loved that. I really liked that. It was interesting to me to get into that and to study those verses. But what makes the book really special is my dad, who is also a physician. He's in the military. He was a flight surgeon. He was in aerospace medicine. So he was um, a doctor. And um, dad does a little blip at the end of every chapter that is called a walk with the doc. And he takes whatever the subject of that chapter was and makes a physical walking application. And so, for example, um, on the chapter where I talk about walking uprightly and what that means spiritually, to spiritually live uprightly every day. Dad takes that and says, let's talk about good posture in walking. Why does posture matter in the way that you walk physically? And so it's this really neat kind of physical and spiritual way of looking at each topic on each chapter. And then it's also a special book because my sister, who is, um, she's studied exercise physiology, put together walking plans that are at the back of the book. And, um, but she based it all on biblical distances. So she would say, we're going to walk. Um, this is a walking plan you can follow. It's going to take you from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. All right, so you're going to walk that distance by the time you've walked to, from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, you've walked this distance. And so she does all kinds of neat um, biblical distances. Yeah, really That's neat. So, cool. so that one has a special kind of a family um, tie for me and, and makes it one that I just, that means a lot to me.
1: Yeah, for those who are listening, if you want to check out or purchase one of Lori's books, we're going to link to it in the show notes uh, where you can go to bookshop or other places to to buy one of her books. So uh, look out for that in the show notes. So I often hear about people who write. They have to overcome just so many obstacles to, um, to, to get it to print. I mean, you referenced that earlier as far as writing, writing, editing. And, you know, one that I hear often is fear. Mm, yeah. and the fear of putting themselves out there. But right. what, whether it's that or something, what's been one of your greatest obstacles that you've had to personally overcome to get the words on the pages yeah. and to make it happen?
2: I have, I have a, what I would consider maybe a spiritual obstacle and what I would consider a physical obstacle. And, and spiritually, one of the things that I take very, very seriously when I'm writing anything, whether it's a book or an article or a blog or something for my podcast. I really, really take it seriously. The weight of that spiritually, the accountability that that has on me, that I'm sharing something with someone. I want it to be truthful. I want it to be right. I would, I, I don't want to lead anybody down the wrong road. Um, and so I very, very seriously approach those things in prayer. That that I really pray that 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 God helps. The things that I say to be what he wants me to say you know I want these words to be reflective of your truth let your words be my words I mean that that is a that I'm very mindful of that I take that very very seriously the second thing though just as a writer and this is I guess more of a physical thing one thing that's really hard for me is just sitting down and writing and just letting it flow. I'm very much a self-editor. So as I go, you know, I want each sentence to be perfect. I want the construction to be perfect. I want it to be grammatically perfect. And if you ask most writers, they'll tell you that's a disaster. You just need to <laughs> get out the get out the content and then allow yourself to go back, edit when it's over. So hard for me. Oh, so so what ends up happening is a good paragraph will take me a whole day, you know or, or or two days you know as I'm as, so just the process of letting go my a little bit maybe obsessive compulsive, maybe a little bit in there of you know <laughs> just wanting it to be perfect every line. and I and and if I would just write and just let that go and go back and do that later, it would be yeah, it would be much easier. Yeah. but I'm still working on that.
1: Yeah, well, still thanks working. for sharing that.
0: Yeah. So. When did you realize that you had a heart and passion for women's ministry?
2: I would say that the, when it really, really started for me was, was when I was teaching the high school girls' class. When I started doing that, and that's been now t- 10 to 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I started teaching that, that particular girls' class, I started off with a survey. I, I gave them a survey and the survey had a number of questions, things like, you know, where do you feel like you need to grow the most spiritually? Where, um, what do you struggle with the most? You know, questions like that, what are some things you would like to to delve into in the Bible that you need to know more about? Or what do you struggle with in everyday life that we can talk about? It was really interesting to me when I got the surveys back, there were a couple things that were pretty consistent on every single survey. They might've been written differently, but they still said the same thing. And number one, one of the things that they said was, I don't really understand what the Bible has to do with me today. Like I read it, and it's, I, don't, I don't understand what like how, to, how, to, how to put it into my life. Like what does that mean? I read it, and it sounds like something that was written a long time ago. Mm-hmm. How do I bring that into my life today? That was one thing. The second thing was they really wanted to know what can women do in the church. What, how can they help grow the kingdom? Like what, what's their job? What can they do? How can they be active? And man, I wanted to equip them with things to help them in both of those ways so much. And, and, you know, we just immediately got in. And, and one of the things that I started to think about was, okay, I want to make sure that all of my teaching has a very practical angle to it. Mm -hmm. All right, here's the story. Now we're always going to stop and look at what does that mean for you? Let's make that. Let's bring that into, you know, the 21st century, and let's look at what that means for you. And so, that was important, and that really made me think. You know, if this whole group, almost every single one of them said that, that's got to be something that ever that that is bigger. You know, that that more people are struggling struggling with, more women are struggling with, and that made me really want to make a difference there. And that that's kind of what started. That's what started my my wanting to to speak more, to to reach out more, to minister more in that area, not just for young girls, but for women of all ages who had the same thoughts, the same challenges. Yeah. Those are huge questions yeah. too. So did you oh, did you feel like yes. super weighted with oh, that? Oh man, I was very very. I was surprised by it. Like that was my first thing. I, I was like, man, oh, I'm so glad I asked. You know, yeah. I'm glad I asked. And now, I mean, it just made me think what can I do in this room to help these, you know, to help these these girls here? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then just to pray for open doors, for, yeah. for that to go further, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. So. so who have been your mentors or cheerleaders or people that have encouraged you to do
2: Well, I. Well, this will tie back to, to really my, my childhood and the way I grew up. One of the things that we learned as we moved to so many different places was we just learned how important – Family was. I'm very, very close to my sisters, very close to my parents, and and our family. And so, my mentor. When I think about that question, I think about my mom. You know, first of all, I think about my dad. I think about the way that they have, definitely, the two of them, been my biggest encouragers, my biggest supporters. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, even even still, I mean, at at almost fifty, you know, it's still my parents that are, you know cheering me on and, and encouraging me and, and my sisters too. My sisters definitely are, are my best friends and, and biggest supporters too. Mm -hmm. So family, and then that goes out from there too. I was blessed to come from a big family. Um, My, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles and cousins, and then marrying into Sam's family where I have a whole new, you know, just amazing family of in-laws and, I've just been really, really blessed with that, and and I would say that that would be my first answer. My mentors have been my family, and um, yeah. have always been there and are still there and mm-hmm. encourage me constantly. That's great. I have
0: a question that I like to ask a lot of our guests: Are there spiritual disciplines
2: that you that help keep you grounded, or maybe verses that you keep coming back to? Yeah, I um. If I had to pick a spiritual discipline that I think is is probably the most I hate to say most meaningful, but the one that I would think of first would be prayer. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm definitely um, I think prayer is is truly one of our greatest mm-hmm. gifts. You know, not not even just you know a, a a morning prayer or or an evening prayer. I mean, those yes are important, but I mean that constant conversation with God, that constant. Um, building of that relationship in, in talking to him um, and really making sure you know that as I do things every day, choices that I make that he's always the first that that is brought into that into that question or into that situation. Um, so prayer would be my my first one. As far as the scripture that I keep coming back to, um, I would say I would say Romans 8:28 would be one of my favorites. It's, One that my grandfather used to call the Christian's rocking chair. And that was, you know, this idea that God is going to bring about all things for our good, um, all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I think that is a verse that I always come back to, you know, that, that things that have happened in our lives, you know, God is able to redeem everything. He's able to redeem all situations and all people. And, um, and I've seen him so much at work in my life, you know, providentially, looking back and seeing places that I went or doors that were open or people that I met. And, and I know y'all can do that and people can do that where they look back and say, oh, that was, that was God working there and that was God that did that. And um, so I think about that. I think about how he is working in ways that we can't understand, ways that we can't always see right when they're happening, but that we can certainly look back and see. And um, so definitely, definitely that verse, the, the rocking chair verse.
1: Lori, just as we close out here, um, I'm just thinking back to the last two years. Uh, it was actually, you know, two years ago about this time when the pandemic hit and the world shut down. Mm-hmm. And life as we n- knew it was no more in some regard. And we, we're, we're getting back there, it feels like. But as you think about, as we think about the last two years from the pandemic, to all the issues around social justice, to the divisiveness in politics, and now we're inundated and our hearts are breaking for the people in the Ukraine and Eastern Europe. Um, There's just been so much um, heartbreak and just um, emotional um, emptiness Mm -hmm. (laughs) amongst so so many of us. So what? there are people out there who are hanging on by a thread. And it's been a hard two years, um, maybe more so for, for some than others. What message of hope or encouragement would you give them if they find themselves uh, like at the end of their rope, emotionally, yeah. spiritually?
2: Yeah, That's hard. That's a hard That's a hard question. Everything that you said is, is, resonates with, with everyone in some way or another. Everyone has been touched by the things that you've mentioned in some way, and, um, and that's, that's hard. Those are heavy, heavy things, and, um, and I'm really glad that this conference comes at the time it does with the subject that it does of hope. And I guess my message that I would want to, to remind everyone is that the hope that we have, the hope that we have as Christians is not a worldly hope. It's not a hope from this place. It, it, it's a hope that is not of this world. And it is a hope in that way that doesn't change. It's, it's eternal. Things can change day in and day out here. Things can go from bad to worse. Things you know can maybe sometimes look like they're getting better and then boom, something happens and, and you're back down. And what we can take comfort in and what we can find encouragement in is that the hope that comes from Christ, the hope that is all wrapped up in Jesus Christ and the love that he showed for us in his life here and his death here and his conquering of death here and, and the gift that awaits us after here does not change. It does not change. The world has no hold on it. The world has no way to change it or to influence it. As much as things change here and as bad as things get here, that is the one thing that doesn't change. It never, it's never going to go away. And that is, that's why we say it's a confident expectation. You know, we may not be able to confidently expect or anticipate what's going to happen with, with you know, wars or, or fighting or, or with things in our economy or things politically or things socially. Those things are always going to be um, questionable, always changing in different ways. Good ways, bad ways, hope doesn't change. Hope mm. doesn't change. The hope in the Bible doesn't change. And I think you can find encouragement in that, and that is something to hold on to in these times that are dark, these times that are challenging. It's this idea that, hey, I'm not from here, and I'm going somewhere much, much better than here. Amen. And my job while I'm here is to do my best to be a light and to, and to show Christ to other people. Make it better, but also always knowing that the best is yet to come.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. That's That's such a good word. And we so appreciate you coming on the podcast. We are looking forward to having you at the Women of Hope Conference in uh, the end of the month and uh, just honored to be able to dive deep and get to know you a little bit today.
2: Well, thank you. Thank Thank you you. so much for for coming and being here and sharing some wisdom with us. it was my honor. Thank you so much. It was great to be with y'all.
1: Taryn, that was a great few minutes we spent with Lori. It was so fun to get to know her. What are your takeaways?
0: Well, I mean, just from the beginning of her being born in Germany and having that background of being her dad being in the army. And then she moved here and moved all those different places is like crazy to me. Cause I'm, I've only lived in one place like my whole life before moving to Nashville. So that's insane. And then her being a nurse and a teacher and an author and all those different hats that she wears. I don't know how she does it all, but she seems to handle it all with grace and she has so much wisdom And I'm just incredibly impressed with her. I think she's amazing.
1: Yeah, she's going to be a great asset to the conference. Yes, and, um, totally you know, everybody great. who's going to be at the conference is going to be blessed by that. So thank you for joining us uh, for another episode of It Takes a Village. Uh, if you are just tuning in for the first time, you can go back and listen to season one or the first couple of episodes of season two. And I just want to reference our last episode with Dr. Gary Jerkins, where we focused on his 25 years of um, going to serve and be in ministry with the people in the Ukraine. And uh, on that episode, we talked about the humanitarian crisis that's going on. We talked about his nonprofit and how you can help and be involved. And that's still we're still have ongoing efforts where we are. Um, raising awareness and raising money to help our friends and the partners in the Ukraine. So if you want to learn more about that, go to the website, HHI.org and you can see what we're still doing uh, to assist over in Eastern Europe. And just per our, our normal closing, if you like the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on, you can subscribe, rate review, and we'd ask you to share it with a friend. If there was something today that you heard that you thought, Hey, I'd like for this friend to hear it. You can, uh, text it to them, email it to them, put it on social media. And just a special thanks that we always give at the end, Ava for creating our jingle, and to Kristen and Grace, who have produced this podcast. We are grateful to them.
0: Yes. And a special closing shout-out to Nancy Markwood. Nancy! Who wears, she wears so many hats around the office and is actually about to step into a volunteer coordinator role, so that's exciting. Uh, so she does so many things that are so necessary and so appreciated and we are so thankful for her humility and her passion for the work so thank you for what you do nancy we nancy, love you nancy
1: you're awesome rock star thank you we'll talk to you and see you on the next episode
0: all right thanks for
1: listening everybody see you